This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki in New Plymouth, thanks to New Zealand On Air. For more local content, search for accessradiotaranaki.com. I'm Pastor Dan Yazel, welcoming you to Grace Notes, an outreach of North Taranaki Methodist Parish. I invite you to sit back and relax, grab a cuppa, and listen. May God surprise us and bless us in this moment. Hello, and thank you for listening to Grace Notes. Today we'll be considering the famous passage of love from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13. Listen now first for this Taze hymn, Ubi Caritas. Let us live in charity.
our first reading today comes from the book of Psalms, the Hebrew Scriptures. I'll be reading from Psalm 71 and the first six verses. Let's listen, you and I. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked and from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust. O Lord, from my youth, upon you I have leaned from my birth. It was you who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. Here ends our first reading.
Our New Testament lesson comes from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter. I'll be reading from chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. Listen for this loving word. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part, But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And then I became an adult. I put away an end to childish ways, and now we see in a mirror dimly. But then we shall see face to face. Now I know only in part. But then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide these three, and the greatest of these is love. Here ends our reading. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me, if you will. God of grace, you're living loving word transcends time. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable unto you. Bless us with understanding. Call us to lift our eyes to the horizon to see and to imagine the kingdom you'd have us live into this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I wonder if we have any music historians uh, listening today. I'm going back here in time to my musically formative years, thinking about 1984. Now, the record of the year, the song of the year, the best female performance of the year went to Tina Turner. And can anyone, can you think of what song I'm thinking of? Do you know it? What's Love Got to Do With It?
Tuvalu got to do with it? A great question. The Apostle Paul would say, everything. What's love got to do with it? Absolutely everything. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 are probably the best known words Paul ever wrote. This chapter is to the New Testament what the 23rd Psalm is to the Old Testament. It's known, loved, enjoyed, and memorized by many, many people. I think almost everyone is familiar with at least some of the rhythms and some of the imagery of this passage. We've heard it read at weddings, and we can feel the passion of it. We enjoy the beauty of it. It is perhaps one of, if not the most popular portion of the New Testament. Now, the take-home part of what Paul says is that without love as the motivation for all that we do, we're wasting our time. What's love got to do with our lives? Absolutely everything. Part of what I want to say is that Paul isn't writing to two young lovers in love. He's not speaking directly to two people who are wrapped up head over heels in romantic, erotic love. He's talking to a community of believers, trying to live faithfully together with a agape, love, love for the other. But before I go there, I'd like to invite you to think of a loving relationship that you admire. Is there a couple in your orbit of friends or families, you know, somebody you maybe knew growing up, or somebody who's part of your life right now? Perhaps it's your parents or grandparents, but think of a loving relationship that's lasted through time, through good times and bad times. You know, picture that relationship you know, and imagine, is there a word or is there a phrase that describes something that this couple does to make it last? I fear that all too often this passage is read in isolation from its broader scriptural setting. All or part of it has been lifted up and taken out of its original context. I mean, we don't have to go far to see some of these words written in fancy calligraphy, put up on a wall somewhere, in offices or in homes. We can see in great big font, huge print, love is patient, love is kind. I know people who embroider it onto pillows. Because the words are soaring and they're beautiful, they seem to point beyond the ordinary and the possible. The problem that just holding the beauty of these words in a picture frame obscures the practical and the exhorting force that Paul intends. We might guess that if Paul heard how people say, love is patient, love is kind, and doesn't boast, with sort of a soft, dreamy look in her eye, I think he might scream and stomp out of the room, as Paul did on many occasions. Uh, when the words are taken from the whole and the understanding of the Corinthian situation 
is left behind, then the transforming power is weakened, if not lost. Now here's the situation. The letter that he wrote was in response to questions the Corinthians raised about what they should do in response to some of the issues that they, as a community of faith, were facing. So Paul isn't writing a philosophy paper about some abstract idea of what is love. The discussion of love comes in practical terms as he speaks of their concerns. He's writing to a conflicted congregation. They're caught up with a distorted spirituality, and they've been engaged in some intense power struggles. These people were trying to live out their Christian faith in the midst of a city where many more people thought that the god of love was Venus. Now, if we try to think about what the city of Corinth was like, use your worst stereotypes of Las Vegas. I mean, how difficult is it for life to encounter or to be run counter to that culture? How do you witness in a place like that? As human beings, we are created in the image and in the likeness of God. In the Hebrew scriptures, faith finds God showing steadfast love, always present. In the New Testament, while love is not God, God is love. So love is part of our basic makeup, our essential stuff. It's the lifeblood of a relationship and connection to God. Paul uses the first person throughout his letter as he writes about love. He's talking about himself as an example for them. Without love, speaking in tongues turns him into a noisy and incoherent nuisance. He or anyone with profound theological insight and total faith, that amounts to nothing if love is not present. Even extravagant gifts to the poor or to those who suffer to boast of gain, they've got nothing and they've done nothing if there is not the backdrop of love as the motivation for everything. What those words show us is that love is something that we do. It's not just some feeling. Now in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus praised a group of people by saying, I was hungry and you gave me food. And notice that Jesus didn't commend the people by saying, I was hungry and you felt sorry for me. No, I was hungry and you gave me food. Love means doing what's necessary, what's needed. But really, love means even more than that. While Paul is giving ideas and advice, he offers, he avoids offering a complete and a comprehensive definition of love. Reading about love or defining it, Paul says, is like looking into a dim mirror, one that's kind of unclean or smoky. You don't get the full picture. The real thing happens only face to face with one another and with God. It is in the searching for the seeking for God's love, that we find it on journeys with one another. That's what Paul is saying. Look at me. Look at what I do. 
Love is as love does. Here's an example of love. Christ is the perfect example of what love does in action. It is in the doing that love is manifest and real. And going back to that earlier question, thinking about the relationships that you've admired and why, is there something, one, one facet or one aspect of the relationship that you think has been a blessing that gives it life? Or maybe something you hope to emulate in your own life and relationships? There's a story told of a father and little girl who had asked him, what does love mean? And the child says in response, Daddy, love is something you do that's ridiculous. And I think that's a pretty good definition. Love is something that we do, and in some ways it's ridiculous. After all, isn't the love that God shows to us a ridiculous kind of love? Paul writes, So faith, hope, and love abide these three But the greatest of these is love. It is the meaning of life, or at least the first hint of a whisper of a clue to finding it, as we look at these familiar words that Paul wrote. An interesting idea that I've seen is for us to put ourselves into those verses and see how our love and our lives reflect what Paul speaks of. For instance, starting at verse 4 here, if we substitute the word I for love, then the passage reads like this. I am patient. I am kind. I am not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. I do not insist on my own way. I do not rejoice in wrongdoing, but I rejoice in the truth. I bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. My love never ends. How true would those sentences be for each of us? How well do they match up with the way that we really are? Don't answer that for anybody right next to you, but think through sometime. Look at yourself in the context of those words. And another angle on it, since God is love, if we say these verses with God as well, then suddenly we say, God is patient. God is kind. Would that shift our perspective on God and God's relationship with us? Love means doing what's necessary, what's needed, But really, love means even more than that. It is a disposition, a way of living life. Paul brings this at the end. Faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these is love. Hope expects what faith believes. Hope holds on because it has faith in the strength and the persistence of God's love for us. Faith and hope never stand alone. They are all fulfilled in love. As Paul writes, 
the Corinthians with their very real, very human problems and their very present temptations. He says, their task is to take the truth of God's lasting love that's present now, to take it and make it all the more real in their lives. That's our call as well. May it be so for you and for me. Now and always, love's got everything to do with it. Amen. So that's all for today. I hope you've caught a glimpse of grace through this time. You're invited to join us for worship and fellowship Sundays at 10 a.m. at New Plymouth Methodist Church, the corner of Weardit and Powderham Street. Until next week, God's grace and peace be with you. This show was first broadcast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM, thanks to New Zealand On Air.